2: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
3: Just call me Notre Damas because Aaron Rodgers has continued to say the things, Joe. We are going (laughs) to be doing this for months. I told you in that clip. And boy, was I right because Aaron Rodgers is saying the things. Adam Schefter is saying the things. So, of course, now we are going to say the things here on Joe and Amber. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh. You can check him out on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can check me out as well at Amber W. Sports. So I think I got to go like a whole what? 24 maybe 48 hours without talking about Aaron Rodgers I think maybe we've done a couple shows where we haven't mentioned his name now we're right back in the thick of things let's start with what Adam Schefter said today Adam Schefter ESPN's NFL insider was on SportsCenter here with Shefty
2: I don't think there's any way The Packers will trade him in the NFC. Mm. And if they do go ahead and trade him, it would be to the AFC. So start having all the fun you want with all the teams in the (laughs) AFC that need quarterbacks.
3: So we're going to get into potential destinations here for Aaron Rodgers, if in fact this is truly a thing. But here we are, Joe, where there's still, what, two weeks left In the NFL season, and we're already talking about Aaron Rodgers, his future. He's already dominating the headlines, dominating the airwaves. And this is a player, Joe, who's just one year removed from signing a $150 million extension with the team that he's been with for 18 years, the Green Bay Packers.
1: Man's a genius. I've tried to tell you he is a genius at keeping himself relevant. He would never dare, never dare to say something like this on Monday. Do you know why? You can't compete with the Cowboys losing. You can't compete with what happened in Buffalo. But on Tuesday, when everyone's ready to turn the page, you slide on over to Pat McAfee's show, you drop a nugget or two, and Amber Wilson's going to be talking about you in the pre-show meeting. She's going to be talking about you on the air. She's going to talk to her husband about you. He's not going to (laughs) want to hear it. But everyone's going to be talking about him. And once again, he's figured it out. He's absolutely figured out. So now here we go with the latest developments between what Schefter's saying and what we're going to get to that Rodgers said today. Where do you stand with Rodgers? Retirement, back with the Packers, or elsewhere?
3: I draw the line on talking about Aaron Rodgers at home in my personal life. That is where I am drawing (laughs) the line. At my professional life, there has been no line to draw. I keep continuing to try to draw the line. I'm like, okay, Aaron Rodgers, free zone here. For a couple weeks until we ride out past the Super Bowl. Nope, not going to happen. Aaron Rodgers is going to make darn sure that it is not going to happen. He remains in the headlines. And now, of course, with Shefty coming out and him saying that, now there's this idea that, hey, maybe Green Bay is open to trading this guy. And, of course, if they trade him, it's not surprising to hear that they would want to trade him to the other conference. I don't think that surprises anybody. What I think is surprising is, again, We're talking about a dude who just signed a $150 million extension with this team. And last offseason, we thought, okay, we're done with the Aaron Rodgers. Watch. They have decided to ride this thing out together. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, he's going to finish his career there. And he's going to be a Packer for life. And now, just a year later, not even a year later, not even a calendar year later, here we are again having this conversation. But the difference here to me, Joe, is it feels a little bit more like maybe Green Bay is now on board with moving on
1: they have to be and the the key x factor with all of this is jordan love jordan love is getting ready to enter year four of his nfl tenure with the green bay packers in 2023 what does that mean by may the packers have to decide whether or not they're going to exercise the fifth year option on jordan love and that would come in at a cost of somewhere around 19 million dollars bottom line you're not gonna if love is your future you're not going to not exercise that option and he very much is their future so what are you going to do you're going to exercise it in between what you owe jordan love and what you owe aaron Rodgers. you're not going to be able to build a viable team around that unless you hit the jackpot on all types of mid level draft picks who can rise up and become all pros in their first year that's why i think everyone is looking at this and finally realizing the best moves for everyone to move on Roger's talking about reworking his contract to help the Packers make a deal to get him out of there so he can go play and possibly win somewhere else. And the Packers can move on in a financially semi-responsible way with their quarterback of the future because nobody wins if all the quarterbacks are in Green Bay making all the money.
3: Well, let's get into what Aaron Rodgers said about reworking his contract. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit progressive.com slash careers. So Aaron Rodgers, the Packers quarterback, of course, he was on the Pat McAfee show. And he said the thing about his contract. What does it mean? Take a listen to this.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of money. I don't think there'd be a scenario where I'd come back and that would be the number, I think it, it would definitely, definitely things would have to shift.
1: Hmm. Got it. I mean, we we'll would see what we just did. Tonight. Oh yeah, unpeeling on, on the onion here. How sure. do you think that?
2: Well, I just don't think it's. uh, You know, I think there's a lot of teams because of COVID that are strapped, and you're seeing those a lot of different contracts. They're pushing more money out uh, in in uh, in deals. They're creating you know certain kind of void years. Uh, to allow for the um, an easier cap hit, so there you know there would have to be some adjustments for sure.
3: Weird that he signed this contract, you know after these teams are already strapped from COVID. Nevertheless, let's ignore that portion of things because it is a salary cap sport. And the reality is, Joe, that the Packers are going to be facing some issues like you just mentioned with paying Jordan Love and some of those other pieces moving forward. But by the way, we're also talking about a quarterback who's what, 38, 39 years old and the highest paid per annual player in the NFL at over 50 per. And that's a problem for a lot of teams that might consider trading him. So I do think there's two ways to look at this. To me, this doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get traded i feel like what he's indicating is if he decides to come back and i think that's a reference to football generally because he's still pretending like he's going to retire so that we continue to talk about it uh if he decides to come back then i think you could look at this either that he's going to restructure things to make it easier for the packers to maybe bring in some more pieces or he's going to restructure things so that he's more valuable on a trade market as well
1: this relationship needs to die It really does. For both parties. Uh, Let's be honest. If Rodgers comes back, how much better can the Packers possibly be than they were this year, last year, the year before that? That's not to say Rodgers can't be great. That's not to say the Packers can't be great. But if he comes back, is there a way that they suddenly win the NFC? They've been trying for years to win the NFC, and again. he was they winning not...
3: MVPs while they were trying. You know, exactly. he play better like, than he played the last couple seasons.
1: He can play really well. The Packers can be good, but the thing is, they're not going to the Super Bowl. They're not winning another Super Bowl. They've been trying this for more than a decade. It doesn't work. Let it die. Green Bay moves on to Jordan Love. Rodgers tries to win elsewhere like Brady did with Tampa, so you can stick it to your former employer and go out on the high note. There are so many teams looking for a quarterback. There are some teams, Baltimore, that are right on the cusp of taking that next step if they were to get a signal caller in there. Not a knock on Lamar Jackson. I just don't know if he's going to be playing with them next year. The bottom line, though, the bottom line, it's better for everybody. Just move on.
3: Well, moving on, maybe one of the things that Aaron Rodgers ends up considering and that Green Bay is willing to consider, of course, he is a con- he is under contract with Green Bay. So everybody needs to be on the same page in this situation. For a player who didn't want to do anything the way that Brett Favre did before him, man, he has so far done everything. And maybe he'll end up in a Jets uniform and just do it completely, Favre, for us. Oh, we are awesome. going to get into the potential destinations for Aaron Rodgers a little bit later in oh, Hold show, on, hold on one
2: second, one second before we leave. Uh, Hello, you, said, you said something at the beginning of the show, Amber, uh, that, that I need to get to before we go to break. Uh, oh,
3: no.
2: Uh, what did you call yourself?
3: Just call oh, no. me Notre Dame.
2: Notre Dame? <laughs> I didn't know that you were, I didn't know you went to Notre Dame.
3: <clears throat> yeah, what was I trying to say there?
2: Nostradamus, maybe? Nostradamus? Yeah, not, not Notre Dame. Yeah.
3: Okay, so I missed the, the Nostradamus. <laughs> Got it. I
1: was willing to let that slide. I want that on the record. Amber. Not us. James was not. Nope. James was not, not
3: willing to let anything slide. I. Uh, yeah. That's
1: just
2: mean, James. All right. I, the, I, just, the, wanted, the, I, I just wanted to clarify. The fight song
3: from Notre Dame's a little much, James. I don't think so. I think, a, I,
2: think nice I think it's a nice touch. I think it's a nice touch.
3: Coming up next here on Joe and Rudy. Amber. Rudy.
1: Rudy,
2: We're going to try to Rudy. find a way
3: to turn off James Steele microphone. But also, will an old friend be able to fix Mac Jones and the Patriots' offense? We're going to get into what's happened here with the Patriots. This is ESPN Radio, and you can check us out on the ESPN app. Just call me Notre Damus. Darn it.
2: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
3: So the Bill Belichick experiment, experiment, experiment. See, James Steele has me shook now because of what <laughs> he did to me last segment. That was She's a got dirty the yips. move. I got the yips now. I, that was a dirty move by you, and I'm like, uh um, maher I trying to kick so an extra to, point we here. Need to
2: build your confidence up. Do we need to get another? Need to sign another uh, host just to put them. Put, put them <laughs> on just the for the practice squad. squad, just yeah, to see. Just we to... might
3: need to. Honestly, let's Amber's try this again. The, the Bill Belichick <laughs> experiment. Of having no official O.C., that appears to be over there in New England. We got the news that Bill O'Brien is returning to the New England Patriots. He is now going to be the offensive coordinator there for New England. Let's bring in some help with the conversation. Mike Reese, he is ESPN's Patriots reporter. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. This is sort of a lateral move from an O.C. position at Bama to an O.C. position here. I would imagine that the financials aren't much different. Why do you think that this was important for Bill O'Brien to take this position?
0: Hey, Amber. Uh, hey, Joe. It's a great question. And I think it, there's two layers to it from Bill O'Brien's perspective, as I understand it. Number one, uh, he does love the NFL. Um, remember, he was with the Patriots 2007 to 2011 left to become a head coach for the first time at Penn State but was only there for a couple years before he came to the NFL to be a head coach in Houston from 2014 to 2020 so he goes to Alabama but to me that was always a move to ultimately get back to the NFL so it's the NFL number one for Bill O'Brien and then number two um, I think there's personal and professional reasons he liked it here Uh, he has friends here uh, with the organization, he's from here, his wife is from here, and I believe they have a son who's going to be attending college up in this area. So I think, Amber, that whole combination makes it uh, the right fit for Bill O'Brien.
1: We'll get to what he brings to Mac Jones's development in a second, but with O'Brien coming back, what does that mean for Joe Judge and Matt Patricia?
0: Well, Joe, it's a great question, and I think right now it's a little bit of a moving target, because... The spots on the coaching staff are, are filling up, and I do believe that Bill Belichick will have some type of spot for both coaches. Um, but I think the question that I can't answer, Joe, is just whether those coaches, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, are willing to take whatever spot that is. And specific to Matt Patricia, you know, there's a lot of respect there that Bill Belichick has for him. He's done a lot of good in the Patriots organization. He's won three Super Bowl titles as a defensive coordinator. He's handled general manager-type responsibilities last year. Um, so he can do a lot of different things. So a big part of it, Joe, is I don't know what Matt Patricia wants to do. And, I, and until I know that, it's hard to answer whether he'll be here or not. And, Joe Judge, my sense is he'll want to stick around. He really wants to work under Bill Belichick. He likes it here. His family likes it here. But I just don't know what, whatever role that might be.
3: Mike Reese, ESPN Patriots reporter joining us here on Joe and Amber. So as I understand it, I don't believe Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones were at Bama at the same time. But I saw in your article about this on the dot com that they did work together, that Mac Jones helped Bill O'Brien lured that tied offense. How strong is that relationship and how much do you think that's going to help here?
0: So, Amber, that was the one thing on that article. I'm like, I hope I wasn't misleading people to say, like, they worked together for a long time. It was basically like Mac was still around Alabama preparing for the draft. Bill O'Brien was coming in as the OC at Alabama, and so they naturally sort of crossed paths, and and Mac took some time to be with Bill O'Brien and sort of go over the offense. I wouldn't say that led to, like, the strongest relationship over time, but I think mutual respect – between both of them and Bill O'Brien got to experience a little bit of what Mac Jones is all about and vice versa. Um, Mac with Bill O'Brien. I think what they'll come to find out when they spend more time together working with each other is that they're Um, like-minded because I've covered Bill O'Brien and I've covered Mac obviously the last two years. To me, it's, it's, it's a good fit. It's almost like Josh McDaniels and Mac, from 2 years ago I think Bill O'Brien and Josh McDaniels are very similar in terms of how they go about things.
3: Yeah, just to follow up on that real quick, Mike, what do you think Bill O'Brien is going to be able to unlock here with Mac Jones if anything in you know with the with people now sort of questioning Mac Jones coming off of the season in a way that they weren't last season when he made a pro bowl.
0: It's it's really a, a well said Amber. I think what he can unlock is what Josh McDaniels unlocked last year as a rookie when I think by the end of that season, most people were saying the arrows pointing up for Mac. And there was a regression this year, and part of that, and some of that's obviously on, on Mac himself, but I think part of that was the overall structure that Bill Belichick put in place. Like you said, guys, you know, not naming an offensive coordinator. Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, having them, you know, their primary backgrounds were on defense and special teams. Not that they weren't capable, but it was almost like an experiment, Amber, like you had said. And so that has an effect on players. And it wasn't just Mac that struggled with it. It was a lot of players on offense. So I think what can Bill O'Brien unlock? Get back to a little bit of what they were under Josh McDaniels because Josh McDaniels is who Bill O'Brien first learned under in the NFL.
3: He covers the Patriots for us here at ESPN. Mike Reese. Mike, thanks so much. Thanks, Amber. Thanks, Joe. You know, it's interesting to have Bill O'Brien there, back there again. I mean, I think it's a good hire there for the Patriots for those reasons that you just heard from Mike, Joe, but it also feels a little bit like Bill admitting that he was wrong last season without actually admitting he was wrong.
1: Without a shout. Without a shout. I mean, you hired two guys who aren't offensive coordinators to be your offensive coordinator, and then your offense stunk. So, I mean, yeah, it may have been a mistake, but you know what, trial and error. I'll tell you this about Bill O'Brien, one of the more criminally underrated coaches that we've seen in the last decade or so. I'm a Penn State grad. O'Brien took over Penn State following the Jerry Sandusky scandal. Players had left, the program was at an all-time low, obviously for a variety of reasons. He stabilized them. Like he he got the players to buy in. They were able to win some games. He coached them up and then he went to Houston and he took a lot of heat for his decision making as Bill O'Brien, the GM, Bill O'Brien, the GM, not good, but Bill O'Brien, the head coach won a lot of games with Houston. He had them in the playoffs several times and since he's left. Look at how bad of a job they've done. Then he goes to Alabama and he polishes himself up a little bit under Nick Saban. O'Brien's a smart mind, especially offensively. Don't underestimate this move back to New England.
3: Everybody polishes themselves up under Saban, though. It's remarkable. This will Pretty be true. his sixth different offensive coordinator, Saban's, in the past eight years. Seasons with Sarkeesian and, and Loxley and Dave and Kiffin, O'Brien. I mean, that's unbelievable. And then you're talking about him looking for a new OC in a season, by the way, where also he has to replace his DC and Pete Golding, who went to Ole Miss. This is the first time Saban has had to replace both of his coordinators since that 2017 national championship season. But what I marvel at with Nick Saban is that somehow he just always reups and just keeps it Moving. Pretty remarkable stuff at Alabama.
2: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
3: Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. You can get at him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can get at me as well at Amber W Sports. All you have to do to listen to us is tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. It is that simple. It is time now for us to do one of our favorite things here on Joe and Amber. Let's sound on, sound off.
2: They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber.
3: We're officially in, is Aaron Rodgers going to retire season? We're also officially in, is Tom Brady going to retire season? Tom Brady, is he going to play? We're going to ask this question probably for months. Well, he got very irritated when one Jim Gray... Asked that exact question. So here's Jim Gray and Tom Brady on the Let's Go podcast on Serious XM. Take a listen.
2: Tom, you're leaving everybody guessing. Uh, you've said you'll take your time. Do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh, regarding your football career? Jim, if I knew what I was going to do, I'd have already done it. Okay. I'm taking it a day at a time. I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> You're scratching. It's they're only like, the question that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. <laughs> I appreciate you asking. Thank you.
3: I mean, at least he followed it up with I appreciate you asking after he uh essentially cursed him out. James Steele, he produces this show, unfortunately for me today. Because wow. he hasn't Jeez. been so kind to me today. But what's up, James?
2: Um, what I mean that was a that was some sort of intro, huh? Uh so <laughs> Don't let her
3: rattle you, James. I, she clearly just geez. got in your head.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh so so uh we're only one week into the into Brady's off season, basically. Uh, of give or take a couple of days. Uh why do you think he was so annoyed with that question already?
3: Does Tom Brady seem like he's like, if he, like, if he like curses, like, he's cooler, you know? Like, we never got this side of old Tom when he was New England Tom. Tampa Tom, I've discussed many a times, is much cooler than New England Tom. He's all, you know, out there drinking, throwing Lombardi turf. It's everything that he's done since he's been in Tampa. We've seen more personality from Tom Brady in the last couple of years than we saw in the preceding 20. And this feels a little bit like that to me, where it's a little bit like him – coming out here and making the headlines he's really kind of sticking it to Jim Gray he had to know Joe that question was coming I mean everyone's going to be asking him that question at every turn you don't go on a podcast if you're Tom Brady and not get that question
1: he's part of the podcast it's called let's go with Tom Brady Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Gray (laughs) you knew the question was coming you're part of the podcast you could have prepared any answer you want and you went with that one Mm -hmm. and I like it quite frankly because it gives us something to talk about I'm I'm very selfish. I am not so much worried about him as I am worried about me. What am I going to do when he retires? I don't think enough people have thought this through as to what's going to happen to their viewing enjoyment of the NFL when Brady's gone. Brady has been in the league for 23 years. I'm 42 years old. More than half of my life, Tom Brady has been playing quarterback in the NFL. So selfishly, I don't know if I'm prepared for him to hang him up I kind of want to continue seeing this journey until eventually it's just too much
3: well some people already think that we've gotten to that point I think that we're in good hands with the next generation frankly of quarterbacks I also think Tom Brady ain't going nowhere and I don't mean in terms of football eventually he has to stop that one day right we would think but then he's just going to be all over our television sets anyways so Tom Brady will still be a large portion of your life Joe Fortenbaugh The day after the Dallas Cowboys are also going to be a large portion of your life. Let's be real. The day after America's team's season came to an end to the 49ers, the Cowboys social media team tweeted this quote, Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in a narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup. The Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again generate self-inflicted wounds end quote. Pretty harsh for a social media team to tweet about their star quarterback. Our own Mike Tannenbaum was not happy about it. He was on Get Up. Here's ESPN's NFL front office insider. That's
2: unacceptable. If I was the GM of that team, I would have walked down there. I would have deleted myself. I would have fired the person that put up that tweet. That is unacceptable. Your organization should be a place of comfort and support for your players. Look, you got to cut them. You do that behind closed doors. You want to criticize them. You do it behind closed doors. That sends a horrible message to your locker room. And I'll tell you the other thing, as a free agent, I would really have second, guess, uh, second thoughts about going to a place that you're going to air out your long – let the rest of the world bash your team. You can't do that. That is not what a first-class organization – you don't see Baltimore doing that. You don't see Philadelphia doing that. They've had bumps in the road, but you handle it behind closed doors. And somebody higher up by now, they know about that. It's one thing to say Sunday night, I'll give them a free pass. But Tuesday morning, it's 8.07 green. We're still talking about that unacceptable
3: no so, it wasn't the cowboys right james making that their own words it was the cowboys tweeting it was your social media team yep. right it was well and it was an article and dak had taken the onus on himself as well but go ahead james Steele. yeah so
2: joe what did you think about the tweet
1: i thought the tweet was fantastic because prescott <laughs> is one of the most I mean, he's just got the target on his back because he's the quarterback of the Cowboys. And at every turn, we're analyzing what he does, whether he's a franchise guy, whether he'll ever win a Super Bowl. And then right after they go down to the 49ers, his own social media team is throwing out a tweet like that. Now, I know people are going to blame the whole organization, but I think Tannenbaum makes a really good point there. It's, It's one person, most likely, who sent that tweet. It was bad judgment without question. And from an organizational perspective, you can't have that. But I... I'm going to be honest. I find it hilarious. He gets $40 million a year. He can handle it. If it's coming from his own team, it just goes to show you the state of the Dallas Cowboys right now. So, yeah, I like it when America's team goes down, and I like it when America's team has infighting like we have right here. I found it to be hilarious.
3: I thought it was odd a very odd move I mean again Dak had himself taking the onus on himself he had taken the responsibility he had said that it's on me it's on nobody else the quotes in the story were from Dak but still the social media team didn't have to take anything from that story and tweet it out it was just a weird move from the official account I don't like it but I guess I do from a content perspective which is what Fortinbaugh I feel like is doing Josh Allen and the Bills they got a eliminated in the divisional round for the third straight year. This year was a little different because they were without Brian Dayball as their OC, who also was eliminated in the divisional round, but this time as the head coach of the New York giants. Greeny thinks Josh Allen really misses his old offensive coordinator. Here's Mike Greenberg.
2: Brian Dayball made Josh Allen better and someone else is going to have to do it. They got freaking dominated and their quarterback had no answers I'm not saying Josh Allen isn't outstanding. Of course he is. I'm not saying that I wouldn't give anything to have him on my team. Of course I would. But I'm saying that right this minute, there are tiers in the NFL. And there is a tier that Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow are on. As of right this second, I'm not convinced Josh Allen is. So, ever, how much does Josh Allen miss Brian Dable?
3: Not going down this path because I'm a big fan of Ken Dorsey. Uh Kenny was very good to me on my oh, local radio go. show for many years down in Miami. Very oh, gracious boy. with his time, the connections to the you. I'm gonna punt on this question. Take it away, Fortnba.
1: Boy, that Ohio State game with Maurice Claret must oh, still sting doing? to this day. Boy. What are you doing? Uh, I'm with you on that. I had a lot of money on Miami. That didn't break my way either. Um so I makes a compelling point, but let's look at Allen's numbers last year versus this year, last year, 63.3% completions this year. What do you know? 63.3% completions. He threw for 200 fewer yards, but he played one less game because of what happened with the Cincinnati matchup in the regular season. He threw one less touchdown, one less interception. He had a slightly better quarterback rating. So I think there's something to be said about Brian Dable leaving and Not to knock Dorsey, but Dable's doing so well with the Giants, it's clear the guy very much knows offense, very much understands football. So, yeah, the team took a slight step back. But overall, the Bills are still a really good team. At some point, if we watch the Bengals win this weekend and then win the Super Bowl, the loss that Buffalo just sustains is not going to be that bad because Cincinnati really is that good.
3: That may certainly be part of it. Did you just say that you had a bunch of money – on a game in 2001 right wasn't that when that game was
1: i mean did i misspeak i thought i made that very wow, clear i also have, lost that have, bet
3: you've been in the uh game for a very very long time Fort and ball first long ever before bet. it was mainstream and frankly acceptable
1: <laughs> first ever bet a uh, five dollar wager when i was in junior high it oh, was wow. notre dame over penn state not only did i lose the bet my dad god bless him total straight edge found out about it was furious Furious, not because he was a Penn State fan, but because I was out there gambling. And right, because you were we turning all into these a years degenerate. Later, and, and I told you, you, Dad, I knew look, what I was doing.
3: You made an entire life of it, but the joke's on him, ultimately. <laughs> Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Jalen, Hurt answer, Jalen Hurts answered a lot of questions with his performance against the Giants on Saturday, and our very own Chris Canty is done with any kind of Jalen Hurts slander.
2: Look at the quarterbacks over the last five years where they account for 30-plus touchdowns and have single-digit turnovers. Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. And correct me if I'm wrong, but both of those guys in the last five years got MVPs. And Jalen Hurts was the frontrunner to win MVP before he got hurt in Chicago week 13. The efficiency with which he's operated at this season, the decision-making, it's nearly unprecedented.
1: So stop trying to compare Jalen Hurts to other quarterbacks around the NFL because he's got a really talented roster. Stop trying to discount what he's done this season. This
2: same Philadelphia Eagles team that boat raced the New York Giants on Saturday night, they lost to the New Orleans Saints at home by double digits. So is Jalen Hurts the best quarterback in the NFC, Joe?
1: In the entire NFC? Uh no, he's not. He's had a phenomenal season. I mean, if we're just looking at one year, he's had a phenomenal season. I'm not going to knock him because he's got a great talent around him, right? He wasn't as great last year. They went out and got him some weapons. Boom, he plays better. That's how it works for every quarterback. You get him good players around him, they're going to play better. But for one season, considering the rec- the, the schedule they played, which was not very difficult, I'm not just going to immediately put him up there and say he's the best quarterback in the NFC. Did he have the best season in the NFC? Yes, he's not the best quarterback in the NFC. I
3: I, I don't understand what everyone's doing. I feel like, frankly, what Canty was doing there is creating this straw man who's insulting Jalen Hurts Hurts, because all I've heard is anybody praise Jalen Hurts and make him the next Patrick Mahomes. And that makes me uncomfortable, which is what Canty was just doing, because what Fortenbaugh just said over and over again, it's been one season. It's been a season. It's been a very good season. Like Joe just said, easier schedule. Yes, there's all those pieces around him. Again, though, very good season from Jalen Hurts. No one's taken that away from him. It's been ass season. It didn't at all look like this last season. And that's why Canty's frustrated that we're all saying, well, a lot of this has to do with the pieces around him. The only thing that changed between last season and this season for the Eagles is, oh, by the way, those pieces around Jalen Hurts. So is it Jalen Hurts has taken this monumental step forward or is it Jalen Hurts has AJ Brown and a really good O-line and the other things that they did around him to help make him better? I think it's probably maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle, but I don't know why really frankly, that's an insult to Jalen Hurts. By the way, there is still a guy who I hate talking about in the NFC, but he did just come off of two back-to-back MVPs, so he might want a word if we're going to have a conversation about who's the best quarterback in the NFC. Coming up next year on Joe and Amber, the Cowboys have some big decisions to make in the offseason. What will their roster look like in 2023? We're going to talk about it next. This is Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Check us out as well on the ESPN app.
2: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
3: that time and joe and amber we like to earn you a little cash a little cash to buy maybe some pizza everyone likes pizza everybody needs pizza in their life joe so this is a wager joe gives you some advice not gonna bet the house on it you're not gonna bet the car on it but maybe you'll earn a little pizza money let's go
1: pizza money alert pizza pizza All right, let's keep it cooking. We were 2-1 and last night. This pick starts in about 15 minutes. It's on the ice. It's the Blues and the Sabres going over 6.5 goals. Buffalo games this season are averaging just over 7 goals per game. That's what happens when your offense ranks 2nd in the NHL in scoring, but 23rd in goals allowed. St. Louis has an average at-best offense, very lousy defense, 25th in goals allowed. But the key here to keep in mind – Situationally, Buffalo is playing their sixth game in nine nights, and they also played last night, so they're probably going to have a case of the dead legs on defense. Also keep in mind offensively, the Sabres have a very high floor. In their last 25 games, they've scored at least three goals in 20 of those games. Pizza money number one tonight, Sabres-Blues over six and a half goals. Here's Brent Maher for the extra point. Left hash, the kick is blocked slant over the middle determined he's tackled immediately and this game is over
3: and so is the Cowboys season That's exactly how it sounded when the Cowboys season came to a screeching halt much earlier in the playoffs than a lot of people had anticipated. And so now there are going to be questions as we move into the Cowboys offseason about what happens to this roster moving forward. I feel like, Joe, we spend so much time talking about Mike McCarthy's future with this team, and we don't really spend much time talking about the pieces that are going to change. A couple of those pieces may be in the backfield because there's some big decisions to be made here for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, one of the huge reasons they lost that matchup was because Tony Pollard went out with injury. Pollard is going to be one of those decisions, by the way. He had surgery to repair a high ankle sprain. He was injured in that loss to the 49ers on Sunday he had surgery today he becomes an unrestricted free agent this offseason the other component though to this is of course what happens with Ezekiel Elliott Elliott is still under contract but he's slated for a cap hit of 16.7 million in 2023 and could be a casualty of course of his salary situation is that going to be the last time that play where we saw Zeke get absolutely demolished and trucked. That final play of that game, is that going to be the last time that we see Zeke with a star on his helmet? Our very own Adam Schefter, ESPN's NFL insider, was on SportsCenter.
2: The Dallas Cowboys also will have to make a decision about their running back, Ezekiel Elliott, who's scheduled to count about $17 million against the cap this upcoming season. If they were to part ways, they would free up about $12 million, creating about a $5 million cap. Savings. Now, it's possible the two sides could agree on a reworked contract, but certainly Zeke Elliott is not going to be returning to Dallas on a contract that would pay him $17 million for 2023.
3: So this isn't even a conversation in terms of the contract, but could we see a world where they restructure it and Zeke ends up back in Dallas? I think it's very hard to believe, Joe, because... Coming off of that game, we're talking about a Cowboys team, 76 yards rushing in that game. Ezekiel Elliott, 2.6 yards per carry. I mean, that's what he averaged this season. It's a problem for Ezekiel Elliott moving forward with this team.
1: So there's no reason to bring him back. I don't want to say he's washed, but, I mean, what are you going to do here? Career-low, 876 rushing yards. More alarmingly, career-low, 3.8 yards per attempt. If you're not rushing for four yards per attempt in the NFL – I got bad news for you. Um, Career low, 23 targets. Keep in mind, in 2018, when this guy was at his peak, he was targeted 95 times and had 77 receptions. His biggest weapon, the biggest, he was a dual threat. That's what made him so dangerous. Now, he's targeted 23 times. He caught 17 passes for 92 yards. He didn't score a single touchdown in the passing game. You, this is not the quarterback position where there's a small handful of guys that are capable of delivering. This is running back. You can find these guys everywhere, especially if you bring back Tony Pollard. Dallas has huge problems. Not to pile on coming off the loss, but actually I'm a Philadelphia fan, so yes, I want to pile on. This team has the 26th pick in the first round. That's not exactly ideal. They're currently 19th in cap space. Keep in mind, not only... Is Tony Pollard an unrestricted free agent? Tight end Dalton Schultz, safety Donovan Wilson, linebacker Leighton Vanderash, guard Connor McGovern, Cornerback Anthony Brown, backup quarterback Cooper Rush, who stepped in admirably, Anthony Barr at linebacker, Dante Fowler at pass rusher, T.Y. Hilton, Jonathan Hankins, Noah Brown. Those guys are all unrestricted free agents. And you know what, Dallas? (laughs) You got a problem in terms of how much money you can spend because this year, Dak Prescott only counted $19 million against your cap. In 2023, he counts 49 million dollars against your cap that's 30 million dollars more that's 30 million less you can spend on other players
3: they can't afford to keep Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, on this current contract. But I also don't see the motivation for keeping him, period, like you just said. The production is way down. It's been tapering off. We know how that goes at that position. Zeke now is getting up into his late 20s. It just feels like his time in Dallas is over. I'm not going to say the same thing about Tony Pollard. I could see a scenario where they find out a way to pay him. He He's coming off of... A breakout season, he was averaging over five yards per carry this season. A good season there from Pollard. It was very obvious to me, Joe, that he was the better back in this tandem, right?
1: He's been the better back for two years. The problem is the Cowboys spent so much money on Zeke, they refused to start Tony Pollard and give him the workload. And that's one of the main reasons why this organization can never get ahead, because they make bad decisions like that.
3: Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, three quarterbacks who will be linked together forever. We're going to get into it. This is ESPN Radio. Also, check us out on the ESPN app.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast.